Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go with Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciated you in 2020. We appreciate you in 2021. Hopefully, you're off to a good start. Uh, I know for my co-hosts, we have a couple of good starts. We got, for example, maybe a Jets guy who's happy his coach is gone. We got a fan of one team who made the playoffs, and we have a fan of one team who... He's not quite as happy. So let's bring those guys in right off the jump. We got our football guys in the house today. I'll start first and foremost, my guy, Pat Boyle. What's up, dude? Happy New Year. Hey, happy New Year, man. First time in 17 years. Cleveland Browns in the playoffs. Oh, it feels good to say it. Man, I, I mean, that, that uh, I can't even, actually, I could almost imagine what that feels like. I'm about three or four more years away from a Knicks playoff berth. That feels almost the same as that. Maybe, maybe five or six more years. But anyways, Rocco Del Piori, I want to go to you next. What's up, dude? Happy New Year. Happy New Year, boys. The gay Sarah is over. <laughs> the gay Sarah is over. <laughs> really excited for this week of wild card. Six great games. No Jets. Just got to worry about who their new head coach is and start, start fresh with a rebuild. Looking forward to a great pod with the boys. I, I am happy, though, the Dolphins aren't in. <laughs> Just throwing shade right at the last co-host. Perfectly done by Rocco Del Puri. On to our last co-host of the day. Chris Mule, dude, it's almost a little fitting that the music stopped because it's like a moment of silence for what was a great year at times, a very frustrating year at times. All in all, not a playoff year for your Dolphins. How are you in this new year, Chris? Happy New Year to Pat and Pete. Rocco, glad to have you back in me, my slander. Um, now, nah, listen, man, it is what it is. I told you last week, Petey, when we were finishing up the pod, I said there's a good chance we end up going 10-6, and six, missing it by a game. And I was, uh, unfortunately, I was right. We got smoked by the Bills. It is what it is. You know, we're in good hands. At least we got the coach, the front office, good draft capital. So, you know, I'll live. Live to see another day, so. Excited for the Jets fans all over the world. Gates Arizona, Patty Boyle, riding to the playoffs on his high. And then uh, there's me and you, Pete. So I'm glad yeah. to chop it up. Let's do it. Yeah, and uh, the funny thing is, I'm curious what your answer will be to this. What was more frustrating? Your team getting beat by the Bills pretty good and not making the playoffs? Or all the Giants fans in your life complaining about not making the playoffs at 6-10 and 10 while you're there at 10-6, and 6, just telling everybody to shut the hell up? Well, it, that's an easy answer. It's definitely the Giants fans in my life definitely <laughs> complaining. I'm I'm ten and six. The last game I'm rooting for is the Jags to beat the Colts, and I got Giants fans on prime time, you know, crying about Doug Peterson and uh, that whole fiasco. But that's a whole other segment. We'll get into that. But yes, and we're we're gonna get into it pretty much first. But uh, let me give you a quick rundown because it's the end of the year. We haven't really talked Jets in like a serious manner in a good handful of weeks. Obviously, we talked about them after the win for a little bit uh, when they broke the uh, the placement for the first pick, first overall pick in Trevor Lawrence. We talked about him then. But realistically, we haven't talked about them much over the past you know 10 or 12 weeks, really, because they've been that bad. They've been that out of it. But we will do a little wrap-up on the Jets, talk about some of the coaching situations, 
that we can see moving forward, what we want to see them do, maybe at a position like quarterback, because that seems to be an important one. Um, then we'll also run through the playoff picture, talk about some of the interesting matchups we got coming up this weekend. We got three games Saturday and three games Sunday, so that's going to be great, great fun. But first, we will start with this Giants team and also this Eagles team because part of the Giants story now is how the Eagles just finished up the season in Week 17. So before we get into it, I do kind of just want to say this and uh, you know, hear what you guys have to say about it. Because there's, there's one thing for me that sticks out. I totally get why people are upset. I was upset to watching the game, rooting for the Giants to make the playoffs. I totally get that people think the Eagles just tanked it and they didn't put their best foot forward to try to win a football game. It's an embarrassment, sure. It's a, a, a lack of integrity, sure. I'm, I'm down for all of that. But I just want to ebb. If this didn't happen on prime time, on week 17 the last game of the season, would it be such a big fuss? I'm not sure. If the uh, if the football team and the Eagles were playing at 1 o'clock p.m. and there was a bunch of games to happen after that, do we have this strong of a stance on, you know, the real lackluster performance by the Eagles to not even try and win that game once the second half came around? I don't know. But what I do know is that I'm already tired of it. It's Monday night. We're recording this. January 4th, Monday night, week 17, just ended, you know, a little less than 12 hours ago. I'm already sick of this. Now, there's no other Giants fans in this podcast right now, Rocco, Pat, uh, or Mule. Rocco, Jets, Pat, uh, Browns, Mule, Finns, well-documented. But how did you guys feel watching this play, uh, break out? Pat, I'll go to you first because you've been actually a bigger Giants supporter than I am, even though I'm, I'm the Giants fan here. Were you infuriated as if you were a Giants fan, or was it something bigger than that? Because I'm already kind of sick of it, but it's it's so big and so necessary to talk about at this point. So what was your take? Yeah, I am sick of it, Pete, but I was absolutely infuriated. I thought it was uh, one of the most pathetic displays of competitiveness and competition I've seen in a long, long time. To answer your question first, no. It would not have been as big of a thing as if, if this was a 1 o'clock game with six other 1 o'clock games going on and then seven 4 o'clock games after that and a primetime game. No, it would have simply gotten lost in the mix because you've got, like I said, six games, seven games going on at once, multiple playoff scenarios, and Jalen Hurts getting pulled for Nate Sudfeld, which is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. That would have ultimately got lost. It would not have been as big as is. But that is the fault of Philadelphia, and mostly it's the fault of the NFL in the front office for putting mm. that game in prime time in front of the entire country as game number 256, the last game with a division on the line, they should have absolutely gone with Rams-Cardinals for primetime Sunday night. Two teams that no matter what could have won the game and got into the postseason uh, because of, of the Bears losing to Green Bay. So Arizona could have won and gotten in. L.A. could have won and, and gotten in like they did. And, I, and they choose to put this game knowing that it meant – we thought it was going to mean something to Philly, but knowing that it ultimately meant nothing once they had already ruled out numerous players on Saturday. And at that point, that point, that thing I'm okay with. Look, you don't want to risk guys getting hurt in the final game of the season. Sure, every, so many teams, almost every team does that. But for then 
to for Jalen Hurts, who didn't play a great game. Wait, what do what he go? Seven of seventeen for sixty yards. Yeah, I think seven for twenty or something like that. But for how he kept him in the game with his legs, the, that he he ran in. There were only two touchdowns. The defense is giving you everything they have. Interceptions coming up with big time plays, big sacks on Alex Smith. For that game, for everybody to be watching, Giants fans needing a loss, Eagles fans, you'd think wanting to ruin a division rival season on your own field. And for Doug Peterson to say to the media leading up to that game, we will do everything we can to prevent Washington celebrating on our field, to then roll over and die the way they did. It started in the second quarter, three straight stupid passing plays, then give Washington the ball back, which they drove down the field, scored a touchdown, the decision to take the delay of game and then punt, and then to get the ball back, get to fourth and goal, and not go for it and call a bland, white bread pass play out of the shotgun when Doug Peterson, and I think many people will say, is one of the most creative play callers, a la Philly Philly in the Super Bowl, for him to call that play and then say, all right, that's it. We've gotten close enough. We're not winning this game anymore. Let's put in Nate Sunfeld, who looks like he doesn't even belong on a high school football field the way he threw the ball, let alone an NFL game. To me, all of that combined – is what makes it, like you said, lack of integrity, zero pride, zero respect for the game. When you've got all those players out there busting their ass to try to win a football game in the last game of the season. I mean, we don't have to go too far. Last week, J.J. Watt, the press conference he gave, how many players rallied behind that, how much it means to them, and how many of the old school guys, how many of the Philly Hall of Famers like Joyner who came out and said, I am appalled to be a part of the Eagles organization after this. All of that, you had all that up, Pete. That is why you're seeing such a strong reaction as you are. And uh, again, in hindsight, if Nate Sudfeld miraculously goes down and leaves a touchdown drive, we're not happy. We're probably not having the conversation, but you can't tell me after what you saw that that wasn't Doug Peterson. And more importantly, the guys who should be taking all the heat for this GM, Howie Roseman and owner Jeffrey Lurie, after seeing that you can't tell me that wasn't them telling Doug Peterson before that game. Hey, we are not winning this game unless it falls into our lap, which to me, sickening. There's no other words to say it. It's sickening. And that, that spoke, that was really well done, Pat. Shout out to you. Cause that was really well done. And you actually sparked in some of the anger that I had last night. I feel like I kind of got over it already. I got over it as a giants fan. I think this is something that I'm, it's important to separate. I got over it as a giants fan because there was plenty of other opportunities for the giants to win one more game, one more game. We've been talking about the Giants almost every single week on this podcast since week one, how they were close in this game. They were close in that game. They could have, should have, would have won that game. And just one more win could have got them in at 7-9, and nine, tied with the football team. So as a Giants fan, I'm kind of like, I don't even want to hear about it. You can't, uh, you can't, you know, I said this in, in our, our friend group chat before. If you want to get something done, it's best done to get do it yourself, right? That's like one of the oldest things to say in the book, right? So... From the Giants fan perspective, it's really hard for me to sit here and be like, oh, the Eagles blew our season. The Eagles blew our season. Like, no, no, no. You blew your own season when you couldn't score in the red zone less than uh, or more than 30% of the time. So as a Giants fan, I'm like, you can't just assume some other team is going to take care of business for you. It's the wrong way to look at it, right? But as a football fan, as somebody who saw Jason Kelsey, a guy on the Eagles, talk all this thing about we don't care about draft picks. We don't care about this. We care about playing our best football when we're on the field. Jason Kelsey, the center of the team that just pulled this off. So 
your frustrate the frustration that you pulled out of me right there. It's it's more just at the Eagles and not even as a Giants fan. Am I rock? Am I being am I being level headed here? Am I being too level headed? I don't know if I should be more offended as a Giants fan. I feel like Giant fans in my life are so pissed off right now. What do you see it as? Well, listen, it was totally wrong. It's embarrassing. Ruined the integrity of the game. Like what everyone went through in this COVID season, how much people sacrificed. Joe Judge had a great press conference. I don't know if you saw that today. I don't know, you know. Um, it was it was it was absolutely done from the front office, Pat. You you're right on right with that. And um they want they wanted the best draft pick they could get. They would they'd rather see the Giants suffer. And it, it was it was clearly wrong. Um, I feel they should get a draft pick taken away, pull that fiasco. Um, so it, it's uh, it's tough pill to swallow, but you're absolutely right when you say how many times you know could have they should have they would have they won the Giants two or three points they left on the table in many a games, the Bucks, the Steelers, the list goes on, right? The Bears, so they could have wrote their own destiny. And unfortunately, they had to leave it to the cowardly brother of love Eagles. And, <laughs> and, it, and, and it went south for the winter. Yeah, and, and Pete, <laughs> I just want to add one more thing. And <laughs> what's wrong? Uh, Rog makes a good point there. Uh, and Pete, I just want to add one thing again, because I and I get it completely. Like from a Giants point of view, it's only you're only going to look salty. And, and, and I'm not even talking about it from Giants point of view. I think you, you, me, Rock, and, and Mule will all agree that just from fans of the sport, like we've seen tanking in basketball and we've seen some bad tanking in basketball and it is hard to watch. I don't, I can't remember the last time I've seen such obvious tanking and just a will to like a, a lack of will to win a game in football ever in my life. I've never seen such obvious taking shoved down my throat and having been forced to just digest it and say, yeah, I'm okay with what I just watched. Like I'm okay coming back next year and potentially seeing that again it may be a big spot. Like to me, that's the, that's the most sickening point of it all is that prime time last game, whole country watching all of a sudden pivotal game, pivotal point in the game. And Doug Peterson, the Eagles should say here, fuck you, take this tank, eat it and like it. And you're going to watch. That's, I mean, that's what happened. And you know, I, I, it brings me back to one in particular game. We didn't even mention the giants lost to the Eagles this year by one point. Yeah. By one point. Like, you're trying to say, as a Giants fan, you're trying to talk yourself into this. Like, oh, only if Jalen Hurts played that the rest of that half, we'd be in the playoffs right now. That's bullshit. It's not fair. How about if we took care of business against the Eagles in our division, 22-21 we lost, we wouldn't have this conversation. It wouldn't matter, right? Now, obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. all this different stuff. So I'm kind of stuck on the fence here because I, it's so it was so frustrating to watch it in real time. As a Giants fan, as a football fan, it doesn't matter. Uh, but now looking back on it, it's like, all right, like this is not even about the Giants, if that makes sense. Like this shouldn't even be about the Giants. It should be about the integrity of the game, which we've chronicled now. Because the football team now got a easier route in a way because they got a tank job in the last game of the season. The only uh, positive from this for me, not just being a football fan here, Alex Smith of this group of NFC East teams, he is the man leading his squad to a playoff game. That's freaking awesome. So the only thing keeping me sane last night, I actually was watching that game, and 
as the clock was ticking down and it was 20 to 14 and Sudfeld finally picked up his first down with 40 seconds left on the 20 running for his life. Like I said, you know what? This sucks as a Giants fan, but at least this guy, Alex Smith, who literally is risking his damn life or risked his damn life already to get back on the football field. He's going to make the playoffs. That's a cool story. But again, doesn't make everyone feel better all the time. Chris Mueller, you've been quiet over there. Um, are you going to come in here and, and tell us why everyone's being a baby? Like, what, what is your take here? Because I know you have a different sense of bitterness into this situation. Well, I think, you know, Pete, I think you make a great point where you say you have to separate it from a giant standpoint and a football stand, uh, standpoint. And, you know, Pat makes a great point and Rocco makes a great point as well where you guys separate the situations because they are very drastically different. Um, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate for sure. And, you know, when it comes to just the football standpoint of the Eagles playing a game versus the Washington football team, nothing to do with the Giants. You know, I kind of almost can see, you know, why Doug Peterson, not in that situation, but I can see why Doug Peterson felt a little loyalty to Nate Sudfeld to say, I'm going to get this guy minutes, which he did say during the week. And the magnitude of when he did it and the timing in the game was definitely piss poor. There's no way around it. There's no defense for it. I get it. But he said during the week that he wanted to get guys minutes. And, you know, a point that no one talks about, Carson Wentz was a healthy scratch and it was well-documented that he didn't want to play because he doesn't like how the situation's being handled. Mm. Okay, that's fine. I have an issue with Carson Wentz as well that no one's talking about. You're getting paid hundreds of million dollars from the organization. Whether or not you're the starter or whatever you are, you lost your job. You sucked all year. There's no way around that as well. You were terrible all year. You flopped for your team. Listen, you put your pads on and you go out on the sideline and you stand with your team. That's just how it works. And no one's really talking about that. He was a healthy scratch, not because of the coach. It was well documented that he didn't want to suit up and play for his team because he wants a fresh start. You know, I, I also I also find that a problem. Like you, you're turning your back on your team and you play with that team for a couple of years now. It's supposed to be a leader. But, you know, when you really when you really break it down, down three, you know, fourth quarter, you, you know, you don't pull Jalen Hurts in that situation. Now, I also mentioned to Pat Rock and you before, Pete, Jalen Hurts, 7 to 20, 70 yards, and an interception. You know, I know, I get it. He's doing it with his legs. He's definitely way more dynamic than Nate Sudfeld. But this guy's not a game breaker to the point that he's just going to you, – you can't even guarantee that he stays in that game. They win that game. Right. So, I think I think it's getting blown out of proportion. Like Pat said, it's, a, it's the game 265. It was prime time. We all watched it. It meant something to a good bulk of fans. But listen, if Doug Peterson was safe, um, I think Sunday night's performance definitely doesn't help him. So I guess we'll see. But, you know, enough's enough because, you know, when it, when it comes to the Giants now, like, I don't want to hear it. You guys won six games. You could have snuck out maybe one or two more. You didn't. You can't rely on other teams. I had to rely on four teams to lose for my playoff, for my playoff hopes. And guess what? All four teams won. So <laughs> I, I, didn't even, I didn't even watch those games. I, was, I had a root for the Jags against the Colts the Browns against half of Pittsburgh and a couple other shitty games. There's no point. My team lost. It is what it is. You're out. You got to handle your own destiny. And that's really what it comes down to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's another well said point by you there. Mule. It's like, it comes down to a point where you have to look in the mirror before you start looking around, you know, you have to look at your own team. And when you're a giants fan, if you're going to sit here all pissed off on Twitter all day, you're going to be mad online. You know, how about you check out Daniel Jones numbers before you start complaining? How about you check out some of the things they did on offense this year uh, that when you look back at it will piss you off even more than the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that you hate already, 
not taking care of business for something they don't owe to you at all, right? So it's kind of tricky in that regard. I don't want to spend too much more time on this, but you know, let, let's just let's just give one moment here to talk about the Giants' season in regards to actual football, and not this bogus with the Eagles and and the tanking and the whatnot. Because tanking, we always said it's an organizational decision. Players don't tank; organizations do. No matter what happened, the Eagles tanked. Whether it was Peterson, whether it was the organization in the front office wanting that better pick. There's arguments to be made. Who cares? It's over. It's done. The Giants are out. But let's see what we can hang our hat on for the New York Giants going into the now future 2021 football season. First and foremost, they're picking at 11. That's obviously not a spot for a quarterback. Can we all just unanimously say we expect Daniel Jones to be back? Is that fair? Everyone's shaking their head, right? Absolutely. Yeah, for okay. sure. uh, yep. Big yes. I think that's a big, big thing to say. It's big to uh, you know acknowledge, but there's not much more to say from there other than we know what he needs to get better at his uh, consistency with decision making, his ball security, both with fumbles and interceptions. Now, granted, he played probably one of his better games of his career or better games of the season in Week 17 versus the Cowboys. Um, but other than that, what can we look at this team? and hang our hat on. We like Joe Judge a lot. We like this defense. Where are the improvement points? Rock, I know you like Joe Judge's style right now. So when you look at this team, what does he need to bring next year to make this team go up another level? Uh, you know, I, I would, if one of these receivers that they had grab, I'd grab that, give, uh, he needs a true number one. I thought Slayton was the, I, I had said that prior, you know, to this, that I thought Slayton could be, uh, a big time number one receiver, but he's more of a two. Um, I, I try and, you know, if the, a Waddle, uh, a Chase or, or Devonta Smith might be a little too far, they might be out by then, but you need to get this kid uh, a playmaker. It will be exciting next year with Saquon and, and Gorman. Like you tell me they got, you know, so, but I, I know what they need to do and they need to get rid of Jason Garrett who's been keeping the Cowboys out of the playoffs for all these years. Um, <laughs> but they need, they need to find a, an offensive coordinator who, who uh, has the same ph uh, philosophy as Joe judge that meshes well with him. Um, you know, that's going to be a uh, attention to detail. It's going to be a tough to prepare for. It's going to be a, you know, well-respected, um, up and coming offensive coordinator. So I don't know if Garrett will get the the boot, but he should. Mm. Yeah, you need some new age juice on that offense, right? You look at uh, even what the Bears have been able to do with Mitch Trubisky over the past, you know, probably like six weeks now, and what they did with Trubisky in years past when he was doing okay. He made a Pro Bowl, which is hilarious when you see that picture. Like they're just playing to his strengths, and that's it. They're making sure he doesn't mess up. It doesn't seem like Daniel Jones gets put in those advantageous situations quite as often as some of these other quarterbacks who may be limited, right? So I, I totally agree. Garrett, you know, it was an okay year from his standpoint but because I think too much blame probably goes on Daniel Jones, myself included. I do it too much because Garrett didn't do much to help Daniel Jones. So it seemed like an okay year. It seemed like he had good moments. But realistically, this whole offense as a, was, was abysmal. Uh, bottom two in the league, in the NFC, I believe. So... That, that's a clear-cut change. Anything else that wanted to be added on the Giants front? I'll say real quick, um, you know, you, you, you talked about what are the improvements and things they could build on. 
Uh, that defense, you know, we talked about it all year. I'm like being a dead horse, but that defense has definitely, you know, made some strides. And the, the unfortunate part now is what we're seeing today is that Patrick Graham might get some opportunities to be a head coach. And he's clearly been a, a great piece that Joe Judge brought in. But uh, yeah, Patrick Graham and his staff on defense definitely got that defense playing well. James Bradbury, they hit on. Blake Martinez, they hit on. Um, crushes Jet fans, and Rock, I'm sure it bothers you too, but Leonard Williams ended up being a stud for the Giants. All he needed was a, you know, a locker room change, I guess, in MetLife. But defensively, the Giants definitely have a lot to build on. They're going to have to pay some dudes. I know Leonard Williams is going to be a free agent. He's trying to get paid. Um, but like I said, they got Martinez locked up. They got Bradbury. They might lose Patrick Graham, but they definitely got some pieces there they could build off of. Yeah, and I think just to, to add in, in terms of the offense, I – I agree, Rock. I don't think necessarily Jason Garrett uh, is going to all of a sudden have an offense that's in the top half or even the top, you know, top 10 or even the top half of the NFL next year. But consider that he had an offensive line to work with that is arguably the second or third worst in the entire league, uh, only in front of the Jets. A running back, his number one running back, Saquon Barkley, basically missed the entire year. You had a underachieving wide receiving core led by a somehow pro bowl tight end and Evan Engram who seemed to drop every big pass that was thrown to him this year whether it was the one to beat the Eagles or it was the one uh, that almost cost him the game against the Cowboys yesterday when he lets a pass go right through his fingers again into an intercepting hands so uh, I, I think for that, that guy first, he ate Tide Pods, that kid. He really hey, seriously. <laughs> I wasted. I wasted a fantasy pick on it, and he made the Pro Bowl. You imagine? Yeah, that's how screwed up uh, the the Pro Bowl voting was, right? Robert Tunyon, baby. Robert Tunyon should have been there. Just saying. Wait, Bo Bobby stubbed. T was friggin' stud this year. Stud, bro. Bobby T was a friggin' force, and Evan Engram can't even catch a goddamn pass mm. right in his mitts, but somehow is a Pro Bowler. So uh, that 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 is obviously a big thing that that they have to fix, but. No, I, again, I think Jason Garrett and obviously Daniel Jones, I think they will be kind of holding hands and tandem together uh, in terms of their futures in this organization based on how they do next year. Third-year quarterback, second-year offensive coordinator with a team now that has a defense very, very capable of winning the divisional title. Now it's going to be the offense's turn next year to step up and prove that they can carry their own weight because only the Jets were worse than the Giants in terms of offense this year, Pete. And that's coming from somebody who has supported and defended the Giants a large part this year. You better see Daniel Jones and the Giants offense bring it next year. Otherwise, there's going to be some changes. Oh, did they fall down to the worst uh, offense in the NFC? That sounds about right. I believe in terms of points per game and yards per game, I believe they were only better than the New York Jets in the entire NFL. Yeah. You know what? I heard a one-liner from uh, Kevin Clark from the Ringer on, on their pod, and uh, he said it pretty simply. He's like going through the rundown of what they're going to say. And he's like, oh, we're going to talk about this playoff picture and this playoff picture and why integrity finally pissed people off when it comes to the NFC East. <laughs> Basically saying how they haven't had any integrity this entire year. They've been abysmal, all four of them. So, uh, yeah, that's what that is pretty much. Um, the Garrett stuff is tough. I don't know if we need to see him back. It's just it's just ugly and it's too close to home because we've seen he, him. He will, he will be back. I know, but it's like... He's the guy who is the the scapegoat, and rightfully so. You know what I mean? Like, Joe Judge isn't the guy calling the offense, so when the offense struggles, but the team seems to be playing with the energy, Joe Judge is getting the pass. And you look at Jason Garrett, and you're like, wait, didn't we see this guy be, like, really mediocre or slightly above average for, like, 10 years? 
Like, why are we putting all our eggs in his basket? I just don't kind of get it. And it's going to be more of that if we keep him around. I got a text during week one of this NFL season where the Giants had a great drive to the red zone and didn't score. And a Cowboys fan texts me. I'm never going to forget it. He goes, get ready for this. This is what Jason Garrett is. It looks great. Can't get it done when it matters. And that's the Giants offense in a nutshell this year, baby. So we'll see if they can figure it out next year. Um, But I think that's pretty much it on the Giants. Obviously, Patrick Graham, leaving or not, will be huge. Hopefully, he'll stay. I think it's a little little early on his hype. I feel like he's not going to snag a job. Right, it's he's, a little. He's 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 been a good defensive coach for a little while though. I think he was with Miami before. Uh, was he DC in Miami before this year? No, he was. Uh, like, I feel like this is, is is this his first DC job? You don't one year of DC straight to the head coach. Somebody, I think the Jets requested an interview with him today. Oh. If I'm not mistaken, you gotta mm-hmm. double check me. But I know he got, yeah, I know he got requested for an interview today by somebody. Well, Giants fans, fingers crossed, he stays around because that defense seems to be doing the right thing. Uh, but let's move on to the New York Jets, and we'll keep this one relatively quick. There's a lot of things that they need to get better on, but there are some things that they have figured out. Marcus May, people thought he can be a good replacement level player, not replacement level, replacement player as an impact player in the secondary. We still like Marcus May. Makai Becton, a pick who everyone liked, said he's huge. He's going to maul people. We still like Makai Becton. There are a few other little pieces on this roster that that do feel kind of good, and they're surprisingly not completely abysmal. I know that's not the best uh, endorsement, but there are obvious and glaring holes as well. Pass rush, offensive line, depth throughout, not just Makai Becton, and first and foremost, quarterback. Rock, I'll go to you first. Just give me your gut feeling, not what you want, not what you think should happen, your gut feeling on what will happen. Will it be Sammy D next year, or are you going to draft a quarterback? Uh, they're going to draft a quarterback, Pete. Um, new head coach is going to want his own QB. Um, if, if it wasn't over, it was over yesterday when mm. his second pick, when he just clearly, they ran a flag route with the slot and – he didn't even look. The corner peeled off and covered three and picked it off. It was it was such a desperate throw. And, and I, I sat back and I said, wow, he's nev- this kid's never going to get it. And uh, I was a huge Donald fan um, up until about w- week three this year. Uh, feet all over the place, head all over the place. I mean, listen, he hasn't had the best opportunities to succeed. Head coach, horrible. Personnel, brutal but he hasn't helped himself with his decisions and his, and his in, he's very injury prone. Um, the, uh, the big thing here is the salary cap. You know, he's going to be due some serious money in year four and five. And you could restart that over by grabbing a, a rookie QB. The question for me is what do we do? Uh, I was, I was very impressed with field fields against uh, Clemson. I want to see him do it against Bama. I, I like I like Zach Wilson a lot. To me, he's got a lot of Mahomes in him, and he, he's pretty good in the pocket. Uh, but, you know, it's going to be who the head coach is, and that's the most important hire right now. Mm-hmm. We have to get that right. Haven't got that right. What I would do to go back to Rex Ryan, the last head coach with a little identity to him. Mm. We keep picking guys that are one side of the ball. Todd Bowles, the ultimate coordinator. Let's hope some team don't make that mistake on them. If they do, I hope it's an AFC team. But then, <laughs> then you have then you have Gase. You know, 
who's going to go to Nick Saban's rehab program, be his, be his OC, and he'll he'll come back maybe in, in <laughs> four or five years. Uh, it's been known to work. So. <laughs> yeah. Is it Sarkeesian? Me, I know. Did Sarkeesian just get the Texas job? I was the guy who bet against Lane Kiffin. (laughs) Put my house up to sail after that one, Pat. I should have just watched your picks, Bob. (laughs) What did you take, Indiana the other day? Yeah, low life. Complete low life move. I had them too. Trust me, you and me. I had Indiana and I had, uh, who was it? Who played Kentucky? NC State. Yeah, I had NC State plus three, and I had Indiana to win. And, of course, you get NC State to cover by a point, and I'm like, oh, it's a lock. Indiana goes out and loses as a double-digit favorite. So go Just figure. the way they lost, too. Then they they were in it, then they, they missed the extra point, and you're like, oh, they're going to really win this game. And they get down, and they shit the bed. It was this bad. Po- this podcast is about to go into the dark hole in any second <laughs> if Bronco keeps going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> If we go all bad beat a bad beat segment, we'll have a full hour and a half ready to rock right now. I can't. My soul can't handle that, bro. We can't do that. I really can't do that. <laughs> well, let's go to a positive uh, segment. Let's go back to the Jets, right? Something a little more positive. And now, let me lay this out for you guys and see what you think. I think it might be kind of an easy answer, but I'll lay out the the thought process uh, just you know for argument's sake here. The quarterback position, obviously, is so so important, right? Um, but Sam Darnold is approaching that point, as Rock just mentioned, where he's going to start getting paid more and more, and if he's going to hang around even longer, he needs a new contract, right? Probably somewhere we're not going yet with Sam Darnold. But you look at the quarterback is drafted over the past, whatever, let's just say five years or so, I'm just thinking off the top. If you have that rookie quarterback on the rookie deal, you have a GM who you trust, you can make a turnaround like very quickly. And it may not be one of those super sustainable turnarounds where, oh, we're going to be now a player for 15 years. But you look at Jared Goff with the Rams. You look at Jimmy G, who's actually getting paid with the 49ers, but not not that first year when he was still on the... I think he might have still been on the, uh, the rookie deal when he first got traded over there. But you look at teams like that who spent money properly elsewhere, drafted well elsewhere, and had even Carson Wentz with the Eagles when Nick Foles took him to the Super Bowl... They had young, cheap quarterbacks who may or may have not been good, may have been bad, as we see Jared Goff recently, right? And they made it to the Super Bowl. So is it worth it to Pat and Mule? I want to hear your take on this. Is it worth it to take a Zach Wilson? Doesn't Is that his name, right? Zach Wilson, I said? Yes, correct. Okay. Is it worth it to take a Zach Wilson? I won't put Fields quite in the same category because he probably won't be there at the Jets pick. <clears throat> Wait, the Jets are too? Am I, am I? Yeah. Oh, so they, he will. Be. Gonna, they he will, they will have a choice of either one. Never mind. So Wilson or Fields. Well, well, then we'll keep Fields in it. So even if you don't have the most confidence in Fields, right? But you think he could be competent. Is it worth it to just take that swing, no matter what? Is, is what is my question? Is it worth it to take the swing, no matter what, and let Joe Douglas do the other things that you're trusting him to do with spending on the right free agents, picking right elsewhere in the draft, and possibly turning this thing around in two years? And two years from now, the Jets can be ultra-competitive if those other things work out. Is it just a no-brainer? Mule, you want to go first? Yeah, I'll be quick, too, because I think, you know, Pete, you ask a question, and I think it really comes down to one thing. You know, Rocco, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you trust your GM and your front office, which you probably haven't done in a little while as a Jet fan, you have to sit there and say, okay, whether he wants it to be Sam Donald or whether he wants it to be Zach Wilson, or whether he wants it to be Justin Fields, 
I have to trust my front office. So I think if you sit back and say, okay, if he makes this move, that move, and this move, and trades away this dude, okay, I like Joe Douglas. I like the direction he's headed in. I don't care what he does. Let's see who he puts out on the field. Let's see the guys he brings in. And if, you know, you have to let – that's I think that's the only thing you can do as a Jets fan. You can't nitpick who you want and who, who you think you need. I just – you know, if you – you have to trust your GM a little bit. You have to give this – he didn't – Rock, he didn't draft last year, right? It wasn't his draft class? He no, drafted, it was. This was his first, first one. one. Okay, okay, okay. The job after the last draft. Okay, that's right. I remember they hired him after a draft. But, you know, after you have to – After they Yeah, so – Listen, you have to go into the offseason with an open mind as a Jet fan, and you have to sit there and say, okay, whatever moves this guy wants to make, whoever he wants to be his quarterback, which obviously vastly um, depends on the head coach, you just have to trust it. And like Rock said, they got to get the head coaching hire right. I think that's the first – obviously, that's going to be the first domino to fall, but everything else you know, will fall into place after that. You just got to trust the organization and do the right thing, which they don't have a good history of doing, but we'll see. Yeah, Mule, and perfect point. Uh, again, two two things in one there. It's got to come down to you got to trust Joe Douglas that he's going to put the pieces in the right spot and in the right time. And that's, again, who's going to sit down with all these head coaches and they're going to say the, probably the first thing that's going to come up is, hey, are we draft, Are you planning on drafting a quarterback? Because i got to know that before I take this job if i got to have the pressure of a young rookie quarterback with really no other talent around him. And that's what my career, that's what my tenure as a head coach might be defined by. Because that's what Adam Gase's head coaching tenure was defined by. He was the quarterback whisperer that was going to develop Sam Darnold into a top quarterback, and he failed miserably. So that's a big thing. But just in terms of should they do it, Pete, is it worth it? It is absolutely not worth it, in my opinion. You've got a quarterback in the last year of his rookie deal. This is essentially a show-me year for Sam Darnold. It's, hey, look, I know Gase (laughs) ruined you. Your career so far has not been what you wanted it to be. This is your final year on your rookie deal. Show us that you can be our quarterback of the future. I I think that's what ultimately would be the best thing for the Jets is if Darnold is their starting quarterback going into week one in August, in September, and can he show them that he can be their quarterback before they pay him any amount of money? Also because the Jets are nowhere near in a position to draft another quarterback with a second pick in the draft. You, You look at the teams that have drafted quarterbacks in the first round with the top 10 pick over the last couple of years, with the exception basically of the New York Giants. um, Every team drafts their quarterback either when they're at their absolute lowest and they got the number one pick, which, you know, it's a no-brainer. You start with your franchise quarterback, you go from there. Or it's a team that has the weapons now. They've got tools built around so that you can draft a quarterback that can hopefully seamlessly move into that starting position like Tua Tungavailoa like Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's it's one or the other. There is no in-between. And I would say the Jets are pretty close to rock bottom, but they're not number one, and they're not getting Trevor Lawrence. They're not getting what has basically been described as a can't-miss prospect. Now, if you want to debate on, on what you think Justin Fields is, let's do it. But all I know is uh, let's not live in the moment, and let's uh, not pretend – let's not forget that the kid looked miserable against Northwestern, looked miserable against Indiana. So – if you're not drafting Trevor Lawrence, you're there's no shot you should be taking a quarterback that has no offensive line, has no defense to keep them, you know, to, to get them on the field quickly, and for the most part, still no t- no weapons. Who is the tight end for the Jets? Who are, who are the good receivers outside of Jamison Crowder? 
I'm not sold on Brashad Perriman. I'm not sold on Braxton Berrios. Sure as hell ain't sold on anybody else they got there. And any of the running backs, like Michael Pirine, we, we barely even got to see him because Frank Gore dominated the carry. So unless you've got some weapons to put your starting quarterback, who will be your starting quarterback, around, there's no point in drafting a quarterback that his confidence is going to be in jeopardy because he's got nobody around him. And he's not the number one pick. My opinion, Pete, like you said, not worth it at all. Improve the other areas that need to be improved first. The offensive line, the defensive secondary, and defensive line. Because all three, way bigger needs than a quarterback who you don't know if gonna, is going to be your, ne- your answer for the next five, ten years. Mm. That's, a, that's a strong stance that I did not see coming. I'm not going to lie. I did not see that stance coming at all. And uh, the reason I didn't, I guess, is because it's it's seemingly in my head all these teams draft a quarterback and some of them aren't even that good and it works. And then some of them can be really good, like Deshaun Watson, but the organization is shit. And like you said, they have a bunch of other needs that are there that Deshaun Watson can't cover up for that long, right? So if the other holes are still glaring, you know, Justin Fields can be a stud. It may not matter. It may crush his confidence. He may not be the same guy. So I, I like what you said there. The only reason I, I just... I, I tend to disagree is due to the salary cap situation. So riddle me this. You, you, you don't pay Sam Donald yet, right? He's not going to get a early extension. Obviously, he hasn't proven anything yet. So you have him next year. It's his last year of his deal, you said, Pat? Yeah. So he does well. I assume now you also spent in free agency this year. You also signed all your draft picks. And then you now have to pay Sam Donald. And the way it goes quarterbacks get paid a little more than they should not saying Sam Darnold's gonna be a 30 million dollar a year guy but if he does well enough to earn to be paid he's not going to be paid you know a few million he's gonna be paid in the 15 20 range probably you know you don't get extended to be a starter at a lower number that often right exactly so then what happens after he now has a nice enough year to earn the contract and the front office spent in that year already signed all the draft picks, and now they have no cap space. And are they at their uh, are they at their ceiling already? Whereas you draft a quarterback like Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, and you absolutely hammer all your other needs. You spend in free agency. You draft everything else you possibly could uh, accumulate, right? And then your quarterback play could be average. The rest of your team could be very good, but you have that quarterback on the cheap for now five more years. So that's that's like the the fine line, and I'm not sure if there's a right answer. I guess I'm thinking about teams like the Rams and the 49ers. They got the coach right. They hit on some draft picks, and then they spent, spent, spent. So maybe it's a little bit too lofty to assume other teams can do what they did. Uh, I don't know. You made me you made me reconsider at the very minimum, Pat. You made me reconsider, but I just think that cap situation gets real ugly if Sam does prove it, and then they don't know what to do, and their hands are tied moving forward. Rock, what do you think? I mean, Pat, Pat put me on that wavelength a little bit, but I've watched 16 weeks. I, I, I want to blame Gase. I do, but there's a lot of things that Donald did that made me realize he can't be the future and that we do have to start over and that that roster is so depleted that it's, it's not going to be a quick rebuild. You, you, you want to get... You want to get the QB this year. You want to get the head coach, like we said, and you want to you want to build this thing right. You're gonna to have to make, you know, the right choices in free agency, which is scary because they're on the free agent market for a reason. 
going to get Allen Robinson overpay and he's, he's 28. Starts uh, getting you know, hurt and then what? <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So it, and what's funny is we, the two guys that had the best year for the Jets, Crowder and May, and they might not be back on the team next year. I mean, you got to sign May. Any head coach who comes in that cares about defense is going to see that the guy's a, a top safety, top cover free safety. He wasn't a box safety like they had him last year. Top free safety. And, and crap. I think Crowder, you know, that was the most you'd ever get out of him. And I, I just he was see his play declining. Awesome, so, um, well, he'd be a great wide receiver three, Rock. Like you said, you sign a couple of dudes, he's a great wide receiver three, you know? Well, it's just so crazy to me, and we're going, we've are going. we gone so far gone on these Jets-Giants that we haven't gone to the playoff stuff yet, but it's crazy to me how many teams can draft receivers in rounds one, two, three, four. And some teams just can't hit on receivers. The Jets and Patriots come to mind. Like, who's, who's the last, uh, I mean, Denzel Mims, we'll see if he can get healthy and play. It looks like he could be a little player here. But you look, you just think about it, and it's like certain teams just don't seem to get that dude. Like, why does everyone pass on Michael Pittman and Chase Claypool? Where, like, when teams like the Colts always seem to have a nice receiver, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers draft good receivers all the freaking time. So it's just crazy. Like, you should be able to build a receiver through the draft, in my opinion. And some teams just cannot do it. They can't. I just want to say this one last thing. All I know is I remember after their first years. After their first seasons, Sam Donald was regarded as a better quarterback than Josh Allen. The numbers, the numbers were there to back it up. And Sam Donald had the number one quarterback rating in the NFL in the month of December in his rookie season. I'm not saying I'm a huge Sam Donald fan. I'm not saying all of a sudden in two years he's going to be a pro bowler. He's going to be a top quarterback. But I know, I know this. You slide Sam Donald into the position that Josh Allen is, I think he's done a pretty good job for himself in the first three years rather than everybody's calling for a new quarterback and a rebuild. And, Rock, I That's get fair. it. Trust me. As a Jets fan, you think you've you got to restart, right? There's There's got to be somebody else. It can't be Sam. He's not the answer. Gase ruined him, but he's not the quarterback we thought he was. I get that. But to me, you're not going to do your new rookie quarterback any favors at all by bringing him into a team with zero talent around him. That's what Sam Darnold was brought into. I mean, we thought they were going to have talent. They didn't. And he's throwing to outside of Crowder, basically guys that are mediocre receivers with a mediocre offensive line and a mediocre run game and a mediocre head coach. I just, I just don't think it's worth it. There was far greater needs on this team than readdressing the quarterback situation three years later. Yeah. And it could be restarting a cycle that Jet fans don't want to get into again. They really yeah, don't. I, I've been doing that as a Browns fan again. Yeah, you've drafted all the quarterbacks. You've drafted all. Yeah. We've drafted uh we've drafted all the quarterbacks of my mother to play <laughs> to play quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And until Mayfield, it hadn't worked out. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Again, congrats to you, by the way, Pat. We didn't talk about your team enough of making it to the playoffs. The Brownies breaking the streak. We like to see it. Uh but I think that's enough on the Jets and Giants. Rock, can you just give me a top three list, three names that you want to see? You know, when the rumors start really breaking out, oh, this guy's close, the Jets like this guy. Who are the top three names you want to hear? Head coach. Yeah. Um, so if, if we keep Donald, I want Robert Sala. Um, the four, 49 is DC. He'll bring an OC from that, you know, Rams, Packers, 49ers, mm. coaching tree with the wide zone and the boots, which I think Donald would be effective in. Um, I really want Eric Bianami, uh Andy Reid coaching tree. 
how many people from the Andy Reid coaching tree have been successful? Ron, Ron Rivera, um, you know, Nagy, Peterson before the fourth quarter. <laughs> um, <laughs> Colts coach, I can't think of his name. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, the the Bills coach, um, McDermott, and I feel like I'm missing somebody else. So, you know, I want the enemy. And then, uh, and lastly, I, I'll take a college culture builder. So I'd like, you know, I think Urban Meyer is too cocky and too got too much pride to go to the Jets and be afraid to to fail. Uh, but I would I would go with a Campbell or a Fitzgerald if they could get a uh, NFL ready OC in DC. Mm. So. I'm I'm excited about that. Pat's gearing up for his playoff game, and I'm gearing up for the the rebuild of the roster. There we go. There we go. That's great. Well done by you, Rock. Uh, Eric Bieniemy, man, he's got to be top on everyone's list right now, right? And if he's looking at it, he's got. Or maybe I can get to Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, maybe Urban Meyer's going there. I don't got that. Or I can go to Jets. Maybe I get Justin Fields, or I can go to the Los Angeles Chargers with this guy Herbert. People keep telling me about. I don't know. That's in division. It gets weird. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens with the coaching. We'll do some last words on the coaching stuff later as well. Uh, but let's move on to our playoff picture. So I think a good way to start this Subway Sports Talk. Let's refresh for a second. Pete Kennedy, Rocco Del Piri, Pat Boyle, Chris Mule. Uh, good way to start this. Let's just do uh, Saturday versus Sunday, or should we do NFC versus NFC? Let's just do. Let's do Saturday Sunday. Let's do it like that. So we can use our, our brains in a direction in which the games are going to play out. And we're just going to do a quick hitting topic on each game here. I'll mention the spread, and uh, we'll get to it because it's some interesting matchups and some maybe not as interesting to you. But first and foremost, team we just mentioned in passing, Josh Allen and the Bills, they're home. They're taking on the Indianapolis Colts. The spread currently, actually, that's the opening line. I don't have the current line. Let me pull up the current lines here apologize for the delay uh it opened at six and a half but now it's still at six and a half what do we think patty boyle not a pick if unless you want to throw that out there i don't think you're ready for that but what do we think now about the bills and the colts is it a good matchup for the bills who everyone's calling the best team in the league right now i think it is i mean i don't think i think you know obviously there's better matchups for them but just in terms of you know, we've been saying it all year long. This Colts defense, they're good. I mean, they're great. But, how, dude, I, I, after what we've seen the last couple of weeks, what they did to Miami, what they've done to every team in their path over the last couple of weeks, how can you stop this offense unless you have an offense that is just as good and Indianapolis just does not? They're going to have to dominate the time of possession, and if they don't do that, you're basically relying on Phillip Rivers to go punch for punch with Josh Allen and this Bills offense. It's just not possible. Again, the Colts defense is going to have to create basically three turnovers, uh, and they're going to have to be immaculate in the red zone. Uh, Otherwise, Buffalo is probably going to win. They're probably going to cover. I think they win it by a touchdown. Um, I I think this spread is right at at where it should be. So uh, I I don't think the Bills have too much trouble, especially because the defense has gotten better too over the last couple of weeks. Tredavious White has been a top three corner in the league this year. The linebacking core with Matt Milano and the other linebackers, they have been great. So this defense was suspect early in the year. Now they've been great. I think the Bills, I wouldn't say easily, but I think they comfortably win, and I do think they cover. Uh, that'll definitely be one of my picks uh, when we do our pick spot uh, for the upcoming weekend, Pete. I don't see Buffalo having any trouble. There we go. Can somebody give me a uh, route for the Colts to, to upset the Bills? Anybody? 
There is there is none. Oh, blowing. Oh, honestly, I, I won't Spicy. even talk a lot because I just made a bunch of great points. But I think this is the most lopsided game of the weekend, if you ask me. And I'm a little biased because I just watched Buffalo put a absolute <laughs> a fifty burger route. Yes, <laughs> a, 50, a fifty burger on the fins. But I've been saying for weeks on this podcast, PD. Buffalo is dangerous, and they they you know they remind me. I say it vaguely, but they remind me a little bit of Kansas City. Once once Josh Allen moves moves out of the pocket, whether he steps up, rolls out, whatever it may be, he's extremely dangerous. And Pat makes a point before that I was going to bring up eventually. Three years ago, we would we would take in the knife to Josh Allen's neck because he couldn't throw you know he couldn't throw a slant accurately. He was too too happy go lucky with the football, a lot of turnovers. And, you know, he got, he paired up with Brian Dayball and Stefan Diggs and all these guys, and he's he's playing at an elite level. Um, yeah, the, the Colts are screwed. I'm calling it now. I said last week, Pete, I was right about one thing on the pod. I said my, my favorite pick of the week was Green Bay against the Bears. Um, I'll confidently say that the Bills route the Colts on Saturday. So There you go. I love it. Rock, you have anything to go against that, or are you in lockstep with these guys? Oh, no, the Colts are on the track. <laughs> Well played, old man. Rivers. Old man Rivers is he? Uh, is he? Is he done in Indy next year? Or is he going to come back for another for another go round on the track? I, no, Donald, be, Donald's going to be the Colts QB. I really hope this is Phil Rivers' last football game. I can't stand watching this guy go out there anymore and lumber the ball down the field. Oh my I really, god! I really hope this is it. They, <laughs> listen, you know, Dell's jokingly saying that, but. You plug a, a, a young quarterback on that team with Frank Reich and Jonathan Taylor looks like a stud now. That's a dangerous that offensive team. line. Holy hell. Yeah. Oh my right. God. Oh my yeah, Reich's God. Reich's a Frank, Yes. Frank Reich. Yes. Well, there you go. That was my guy. Oh my gosh. All right. There we go. Well, let's move on to our next game. We got the Rams at the Seahawks, a game we've seen twice already this year and they did split. They did play as recent as two weeks ago. Something weird about this game that I want to call out before we talk about it. Uh, actually, first, I'll say the spread. Four and a half currently for the Seahawks in uh, as the favorite. We think of the Seahawks this year. There's almost two sides to the story. One is this team where Russell Wilson was cooking. We were letting Russ cook, and they were playing a lot of games in the high 20s, the 30s, all, maybe the 40s, right? Recently, not so much the case. They did just give up 23 to the 49ers, but before that, it was 17 points in a loss to the Giants, then three points to the Jets. Obviously, it was the Jets and Giants, whatever. And then 15 to Washington, nine to the Rams, 23 to the 49ers. Are we seeing a new-look Seahawks team that is playing some serious defense, or is this just a, uh, you know, who they were playing situation? I just think this game is going to be incredibly difficult to predict. Um, and that is especially if Jared Goff does play. I don't think he will. It's looking like he won't. Again, anything can change. We're still uh, recording here as of Monday night, so he could play. But uh, this game is just, you know, with Seattle, how they've been Jekyll and Hyde basically this year with the offense and even the defense. The defense was the wor- just as bad as Dallas at the beginning of the year. Then they've started to improve. L.A., the defense has been rock solid all year, but the offense – you don't know what the hell you're going to get from week to week. And if Wolford goes out there as their quarterback on Saturday, again, their defense, just like Indy's defense, is going to have to do something incredibly special because, like we said, Seattle's defense has improved. Um, but to me, this might be the most difficult game to kind of get a read on Saturday because 
if Goff does play, I would not be stunned if the Rams win this game. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it comfortably. If Walford is their starting quarterback and Goff can't play, uh, it would be devastating. And we would then have to pose the question, is Russell Wilson as great as we think he is? And is he the quarterback for Seattle? If they go out there and they lose to Walford and the Rams as four-and-a-half-point favorites, we're going to have to have that discussion, Pete. Wow. A discussion no one could have predicted. And Walford was a little frisky. He was a little frisky with the legs on uh, on Sunday there against the Cardinals. Uh, any opposing thoughts there? I feel like that's, like Pat said, it's a real tough one to predict. You can say, yeah, the Rams defense will come out crazy, shut them down, and they could win for sure. But Russell could also drop 30 on anybody's head in any given moment. So uh, what what Seahawks are you predicting there, Mule? No, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm with Pat. Um, I think if God plays the Rams, you know, I don't know. I, what I was going to make, I was going to make a little tidbit. Um, Johnny Wolford was frisky on Sunday. He has a LinkedIn account. The guy was a financial <laughs> advisor uh, and was throwing apps out on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, Pat said before that he should have made that game Sunday, the Sunday night primetime game. If Goff and Kyle Murray were playing, that would be fantastic. But it ended up being Johnny Wolford, the Wall Street guy. and Versus Strevla. Yeah, what was that? Guy? What was the other uh, ex CFL? Yeah, it delivery was, boy <laughs> ended up being a dumpster <laughs> by a football game. But I don't know. This is a weird game to me. Actually, a good friend of the of everyone on here, uh, Bobby Schultz, who's probably a listener, was talking to me before about Seahawks and uh, the Rams. It's it's an iffy one. Um, you know, if Seattle can dominate the run the run game with with Carson, who's finally healthy now, and you know, not let Russ cook too much, but, you know, control the time, possession, and stuff. Seattle, you know, they could be able to hold on to it. But L.A. plays some tough defense. Jared Goff's got to show up. That's what it comes down to. I said last week he sucks. Um, <laughs> he, you know, he hasn't he hasn't shown me much this entire year, so I guess we'll see. But well, you know, I, I, won't, I won't go out and pick that one because I really don't even know. So. What's incredibly frustrating about this game is, like, you pick the Seahawks minus four and a half, and they're winning the whole game, or they're up three the whole game, they're up seven the whole game slightly back and forth, whatever, and they win by three. And, like, it wasn't that much in question, but it was just a little bit too dramatic for a better's liking. You end up with a stupid backdoor cover or whatever. That's how this game goes if you take the Seahawks minus four and a half. Like, you just got to know, because it's, it's too easy right now. They don't even know who the quarterback is, and the Seahawks are only four and a half point favorites. Like, they're almost begging you to take the Seahawks right now, and that scares the crap out of me. It's a stinky-ass number. I ain't touching it for now. I don't know if I'll ever touch it. I don't know if I could touch that game with, like, a right mind, even though, you know, all solo games Saturday and Sunday, I'll probably bet on all six. <laughs> Rock, are you okay if we skip through the next game? Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go to the next one. We got Tampa Bay, which it kind of bugs me when people say Tampa Bay all the time. But anyway, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home. I'm sorry, not at home. At Washington, they are still minus eight and a half. Rock, I'll go right to you. They've been rolling lately. Tom Brady got 40 touchdowns, 4,600 yards. Is this a route? Is this a domination station? Or does Chase Young got some juice with the football team? Uh, I mean, maybe the first quarter might be, you know, you might be like, oh, but there shouldn't even be a spread on this game. The bomb's over Baghdad. Brady, you throw for 500. <laughs> you know, they'll do a nice thing about how great the football team, and they were 7-9, and nine and but... Yeah, he, he's. Uh, I really believe you're gonna see him, him and uh, him and A Rod. 
but they might actually end up playing right in the second round, right? If if uh, depending on how it plays out, out, for sure. Yeah. yeah so they're the five, and Green Bay is the one. So if Green Bay plays the lowest seed, right? That's the new rule. Yeah. So unless uh, yeah. Un- unless the you six the or Rams seven, to win. right? Unless yep. the Rams, unless the Rams win. The Rams or somebody else. Who am I missing? The Rams or the Bears? Unless the Rams or the Bears win. Yeah. Not happening. The bet. Yeah. The Bears ain't happening. We're done with that game. Don't even go to that game. Oh, I have something to say about that game. I have something to say. Real real quick on the Bucs. Um, you know, Chase Young poking the bear, man. Really. He, after the game, he says, I want Tom Brady. You know, we want Tom Brady. You better relax, kid. Defensive rookie of the year, that's great. Whoop-de-doo, you're 7-9, and nine, you get a home playoff game, that's great. Um, the last guy you want to be going after who's heating up exponentially going into the playoffs is Tom Brady. That's just me. Um, yeah, I think it might be a little tighter. Like Rock said, at a quarter, it might be tight. I think this might be tight for three quarters maybe, but I I think the firepower of the Bucks, which has been heating up, is going to be way too much for Washington. And no one wants to see these guys in the playoffs. Yeah. Alex Smith – Alex Smith, great story. Comeback player of the year, written all over it. That's great. You know, go, go home. Seven and nine. You shouldn't be there anyway. They lose. Pete, yeah, you're, boys, you're smirking over there. It wouldn't be the NFL if the last two times a team under 500 got into the playoffs, won a playoff game. Don't be shocked if we see that streak continue on Saturday night. Look, if Tampa Bay is fully healthy, it would be completely stunning to me if Washington can go out there and beat them. Look, to me, in my opinion, they've got the best pass rush, the best pass defense in the NFL. They can get to any quarterback. Chase Young can make life miserable for Brady. If Washington and, and Riverboat Ron can find a way to, do, to draw up some schemes on defense to get that blitz through the A-gap and make life uncomfortable for Tom, we've seen. That's how you, that's how you beat Brady in the postseason. You get the blitz up the middle. You sack him, you make you, you knock him down every time he drops back, you make life very difficult for him. If they can do that, they'll have a chance. They'll, they'll give their offense a chance. Then they're going to need probably some injuries. They're going to need some COVID issues for Tampa Bay to continue. Oh, the man. starting inside linebacker, Devin White, already ruled out for Saturday. Really? Been, I didn't know that. Oh, my yes, God. He's already ruled out for Saturday. He's had a breakout season for them. He's been tremendous. Shaq Barrett, also COVID. Not ruled out yet. He will have to post negative tests. If you got Barrett and Devin White both missing, that will give this Washington offense a lot more confidence than they would have going into the game otherwise. And then also the big thing, is Mike Evans going to be anywhere near 100% playing after he uh, got an MRI, came back, you know, positive, you know, positive news. Is he going to be able to give you 100% effort? Because if not, that takes away the number one option and you're left with only having to deal with Godwin and, uh, and and Antonio Brown and, of course, Rob Gronkowski, but in terms of the wide receivers. So I think everybody is counting out Washington. I would reconsider. I mean, we've seen them. We've seen them beat Pittsburgh. We saw them almost beat Seattle a couple of weeks ago with Dwayne Haskins playing quarterback in the, in the second half. I think they've got a shot. And uh, I would not be surprised. It's a one-score game in the fourth quarter. But uh, ultimately – if Tampa Bay gets uh, Shaq Barrett to play and Evans plays, I think it would be stunning if they did win. Yeah. on on In Washington, on that crappy, crappy grass, you know, that, that place always looks like a wreck, especially, you know, in December, January, that place always looks abysmal. But, you know, we'll see. It wouldn't be a, a right segment here if somebody didn't bring up 
the fact that the past two teams under 500 won a playoff game. Pat, I was going to bring it up, but I was also going to add trends are made to be busted <laughs> and records are made to be broken. I can't see that going forever. And this Bucks team is absolutely rolling right now. And Tom Brady's the type of leader to have his team ready and not take a team lightly. I mean, the Patriots made a living off of making the, the lowest level opponent seem like the Super Bowl, right? You know, my, the Michael Jordan meme. Now Steph Curry's using that. I took that personally. Chase Young said that. Tom Brady took that personally. So they're going to come out firing. But, Pat, I, I, I respect the take. And I think it's not crazy. I mean, Alex Smith, if he doesn't turn it over, which he can do, but if he plays like that real management style, Antonio Gibson looks good on the ground. Maybe they get the run game going. And that blitz up the middle. You know what? It could be closer than we think, but I'm, I'm not betting. I'm not betting on the football team to win a game here, but we'll see what happens. Uh, let's move on to our next game here now. We're on to Sunday, and we have a very interesting one, a rematch, not only for this season, but last year's playoffs. We have the Ravens at the Titans. Surprisingly, maybe not. Minus three and a half in the Ravens' favor right now. Rocco, is that a little bit too much recency bias after the Ravens have dominated bad opponents? when the Titans, in their own right, have been pretty damn good offensively here? This is an exciting game. Um, I can't wait for this one, to be completely honest. Uh, intrigued by both teams. Um, I think outside of the Bills, these are the next two chances to crack the uh, Chiefs. Don't don't hate me, Pat. Um, but, you know, listen, like you said, the Titans knocked them out last year, the Ravens, when the Ravens were 14-2, and two, the one seed. You know, the Titans went into Baltimore and beat them in the playoffs. Don't think for one second the Ravens aren't jacked up that they got this draw to play them. So uh, it's going to be a exciting game, and it's going to be another game that makes me realize just how far the Jets are from competing. <laughs> yeah. These two teams have, like, a toughness to them. On offense, for the Titans, more so than defense. But the ground game is serious. These are the two best rushing teams in the league. I don't know if that's by the numbers, but by the eye test, they have to be, in my opinion. You know, I think the Ravens ran for, like, 400 yards last week. They've been dominating bad, bad opponents lately. But if there's a team that can get out in front and then keep it away from them, it's the Titans. Uh, they're better at it than almost anybody. Uh, maybe only not as good as the Ravens in that in that regard. So it might be one of those games. Whoever gets out to the early lead doesn't look back. I, I don't know, Amelia. What do you expect out of this game? Well, I think it's the best game of the weekend. I think you know matchup wise, strength versus strength. Like you said, Pete. You know, stellar run games on either side. Derrick Henry, you know, finished with two K on the year. He's an absolute dude. And the Ravens got a monster of the backfield with. Stan Allen's own Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins coming into his own. Um, Mark Ingram's kind of a nobody anymore, but, you know, you got to include Lamar Jackson. The Titans defense uh, can't stop a high school team right now. So, I don't know if that, you know, the Ravens might be able to do something if they could throw the ball. You know, Mark Andrews is a big red zone threat. But this is definitely going to be a great one. Two great coaches who were going at it at midfield before the game last time. So, there's definitely some added juice in this one. But, you know, this is definitely going to be interesting. I like I like Baltimore here just based off of Tennessee's lack to play defense. Um, you know, I like the Ravens. D, what's the Ravens DC's name? It's like Winkle, right? What, what's his last name? Pat, I know you know this. What's the um, – you said it last week or two weeks <laughs> ago. Oh, the Ravens DC. What's his last name? The big dude. Oh, Don uh, Wink Martindale. 
Oh, Wink Mart. Okay, I knew something Winkle of Wink. <laughs> uh, yeah, Wink Martindale is a good coach over there in D.C. Winkle Martindale. Uh, yeah, I knew something. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. This is definitely probably going to be one of the better games of the weekend, no question. Patty, any thoughts? Yeah, sorry, boys. Um, yeah, no, I, I think, you know, it's tough for lightning to strike twice in the same place. It's even harder for it to strike three times in the same place. Tennessee beat Baltimore earlier this year. They beat them last year in the playoffs, the big upset. I don't think they beat them a third time. You know, look, the, the difference between last year and, and this year, and even that game where Baltimore, um, you know, lost on the, on another Derrick Henry earthquake shattering run is this time. Whereas earlier in the season, they weren't that healthy. This time the defense will be healthy. You'll have that entire secondary. Marcus Peters, Marlon Humphrey, Jimmy Smith, all healthy. The defense has been better at stopping the run this year. And the Baltimore offense, obviously, is playing like they were last year. I think the defense is better, especially with Calais Campbell and the linebacking core with Patrick Queen, Judon, Tyus Bowser. They're, literally, the, the Baltimore Ravens, I think, could shut out almost any team on any given day. And, in fact, that, that now you've got not only just Mark Ingram, but you've got Dobbins. And Gus Edwards, all three of those guys can run for 150 yards combined. Oh, yeah, yeah, not to forget Lamar Jackson now basically running for 100 yards with ease every game. 250 yards on the ground, basically, I think they've averaged the last four weeks. Yeah, it's been against rough, weaker opponents. But this time around, Pete, Tennessee doesn't win this game. Not a third time. It would shock me again if Baltimore gets beaten by the Titans the third straight time I think they've got the demons from last year I think obviously the pressure is off them this year now whereas they were 14 and 2 last year they were the team to knock off now they don't have that pressure I think they've learned from their mistakes I think John Harbaugh coaches up a hell of a game and I think they win this game I think it's close I think it'll be very close but I think Baltimore squeaks this one out this time yeah I'd be off brand for me to go anywhere else I've been on the Ravens all year I think uh, there's a real path for them to having two more wins easily in this season. And uh, we could be looking at their their season completely different. You know, COVID hit them just about as hard as anyone. It hit the Titans early. So that's kind of like in the rearview mirror on the Titans front where they were getting all hecked up early on in the year. And now they've been hot. They've been doing really good things on offense. Their defense obviously is suspect. So I cannot wait to see this battle of strengths. I'm going with the Ravens as well. I have to. I've been on the Ravens all year. I'm sticking with it. I think big shock, big shocker there, bro. You know what? Sometimes you got to stay, you got to stay on brand, and that's what it is. I'm going with Lamar. I think he, uh, of all quarterbacks, has a lot to prove here because if he loses again in the playoffs and uh, goes out in the first round, especially right now, it's going to be more of the same with that conversation. You know, is he a quarterback who can do it all, or is he a guy who just beats up on the little guy? So that's a that's a narrative he's definitely well aware of. And this is step one to put that narrative to rest. All right, let's move on to our next game. We have the Bears at the Saints. The line is currently 10 points, which for me, just off the jump, mentally is a really, really big spread in the playoffs. It's a really, really big spread. The Saints are at home, so obviously Drew Brees and the weather, not a concern here. Are we expecting a blowout, or do we think this Bears defense can do some things and make life hard for the Saints here? I'll, I'll pass my turn because I, I think it's a blowout. I don't even have much to say. I don't even, I don't think the Bears, uh, you know, it's another team I don't even think should be there. So 
I'll, I'll swing it over to Rock, but I think the Saints take care of business, no questions here. It's crazy, but the Bears made the playoffs because they started the year five and one. That win against the Bucks, I, I see, like they they wrote their ticket uh, and they they got in obviously backdoor because Arizona started the the car salesman, the um, but the used car salesman. But <laughs> no, uh, it's going to be very tough, very tough for the Bears to get anything going. Um, I I think you know in the NFC, this it's either the Saints, Packers, the Bucks. So, you know, I think those three are on a mission. It's just a matter of, you know, who, who plays who first, who the Bucks play first. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what really has gone under the radar this year is throw Brian Flores into the conversation, yes. Throw Kevin Stefanski into the conversation, yes. Sean Payton, as the NFL's coach of the year, he deserves to be right in that conversation. He has played with a backup quarterback, for what five six weeks this season he has played without his number one receiver and a top five receiver in the game and michael thomas for most of this year and oh uh, yeah of course and the last week in a game that you know it didn't matter much but they played without their entire running backs and they dismantled carolina and every time somebody thought new orleans was going to get bested outside of the loss to kansas city they they shut up all their critics and with Taysom hill and an old Drew Brees with broken ribs and an offense missing their number one receiver, they have easily basically skated to the number two seed in the NFC with 13-3 and three record, and nobody really has talked about it. The defense is probably the most underrated defense in the NFL, the way they go out and dominate week to week. I mentioned this on the pod a couple of weeks ago. They went 43 straight drives without giving up a touchdown until they gave one up to Jalen Hurts a couple of weeks ago. That's how dominant this defense is. And, yeah, Chicago's defense is great, but an offense, like you said, Rock, that backed into the playoffs, I, I think this one could get ugly. Now, we know New Orleans' struggles in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, we might see it in a week when they have to play either Seattle or Tampa Bay. I don't think we see it on, uh, on this weekend. I think they win this one easily. I think Chicago gets dusted right out of the playoffs. I think this is one of those games, like Rock described with the Bucks washington where the Bears can keep it close in the second quarter. You know, it's all oh, Mitch had a good drive. He threw a touchdown pass or he runs one in, you know, early and it's like 14 to 10 or something like that in the second quarter. And then second half comes around. The uh, defense of the Saints makes adjustments. The Bears can't do anything on offense. And then it starts to get ugly. But I think we see a, a better game than people expect uh, off the jump. I'd be nervous. I'm, I can't take a, a minus 10 in the playoffs with like a lot of confidence. But, you know, a lot of times it's those bets that feel uncomfortable are the ones you want to make. So. Not much else to say here. You know, what can the Bears offense be outside of some gadget type stuff or truly just only going to Mitch's exact, exact strengths, with the, which the Saints are well aware of? It's going to be real tough for them to put points on the board. I see a close first half. Saints take it in the second half. But let's get to, I think, maybe the second or third most interesting game here. And that's the last one we're going to talk about. It's the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Spreads currently four and a half. Uh, I think the Ravens-Titans, clear-cut number one. You can argue maybe Rams-Seahawks is number two, but you can argue that this one right here is the second most interesting matchup. The third time they'll play this year, they just played uh, 24 hours ago, or you know, 48 hours ago based off when you listen to this podcast. But, Pat, I'm calling ISO ball. I'm giving you the rock, and I'm letting you do what you need to do right now. What's the Brownies' path? 
to victory here at the Steelers in their first playoff game in a damn long time. Well, obviously, first, you know, as a team that's been battling COVID issues, uh, maybe more so than any other team the last two weeks, missing the entire wide receivers against the Jets, missing basically their entire secondary against the depleted, you know, the rested Steelers team. They need to be healthy. If they don't have a full, health, fully healthy team, they're not going to win this game, uh, really, I don't think at all. They need guys like Denzel Ward and Andrew Sandeo to be healthy in the secondary. They need Landry and them to be healthy. It looks like they will. Uh, I believe in terms of the COVID protocols, all the guys who have had COVID should be good. Uh, so in terms of that point, they need that, first and foremost. If they get it, they're still basically, Pete, they're going to have to play a nearly perfect game, in my opinion, because of what has happened in the past when they've gone up against the Steelers. And it's basically they've been destroyed every single time, even this year, all the way back in, in the early going, losing 38-6. to six. Now, I believe Baker Mayfield has come a long way since. I believe, obviously, this Browns organization has come a long way since. I want to believe that they're going to ride the first playoff appearance since 2003 into an upset of their biggest rivals in the sport and beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh on Heinz Field and send all those loser Steeler fans, uh, you know, not going to be at the game, but send them home miserable. Uh, I, I just don't know if they can do it. Again, they're going to have to run the shit out of the ball with Chubb and Hunt. And they're gonna have to, they're gonna have to be able to to, to stop uh, Roethlisberger and these receivers. The secondary has been the weakest point at Cleveland this season, and also now we saw that game where Pittsburgh beat Indianapolis, so they were down 17. All of a sudden, they're taking deep shots down the field. If they're doing that with confidence against Cleveland, uh, I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, too early for me, Pete, to make a prediction. You'll have to revisit me uh, on Friday when we do if we do our picks pod because. Right now, I don't, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that Cleveland can win this game, but we'll see how I feel maybe in a couple of days. So if you, if you had to force me to make a decision right now, I'd say, unfortunately, the Brownie season will come to an end mm. on, uh, on Saturday, was it Sunday night. I know that's a tough call for you to make, but that's why you're a pro. You're, you're keeping it professional over there. You're keeping it realistic. You're keeping it rational. It's a tough one. But I think there's an argument to say the Steelers offensively are in their own head a little bit where they now know they're well aware, it's well documented with their issues throwing the ball down the field and Big Ben's issues throwing the ball down the field. When he holds on to it for more than two and a half seconds, you know, he's not quite the same guy he once was. Can they get the pass attack going against a secondary where that's not the strength of the Browns team, let alone defense? So there's an issue on both sides. It's not just a chalk up, oh, the Steelers are better in every aspect. I'm not sure that they are. Rock, what do you have to say about this game? I think it's going to be an interesting one. A great, great way to finish the wild call weekend. First wild call weekend with six games. That's exciting. Um, To, you know, division, division game. They know them, you know, they know each other like the back of their hands. uh, Third time. Fact, I love that they played last week. That's going to be a uh, exciting chess match. Um, You know, it's going to come down to the, this game's going to be won in the O-line, D-line. So it definitely helps that there'll be no fans in Pittsburgh because, you know, Heinz Field be rocking in the playoffs. Uh, love to know what the weather's going to be like for that game, but uh, definitely exciting. Um, it's uh, it's going to make for a great week. And then uh, for you know it, it's going to be to be Super Bowl Sunday. Hopefully all these teams stay healthy. You'd hate to see someone get a, a break, you know, Imagine Tom Brady come play in the oh play like sucks. You need none of that. So Tom Brady covering his mouth with a kale mask. He's fine. 
<laughs> Nearly any takes on Brown Steelers before we say goodbye? Yeah, yeah I think, um, you know, I think something that's very important, and I'm sure Pat's going to agree with me here. Um, I think Denzel Ward has to be, has to be active for the, for the Browns to have a really good chance to, to win this game. And you know, I'm reading that Greedy Williams might have a playoff return, which really might help their secondary depth a lot more. But um, watching the game on this past Sunday, I know they had a couple injuries and some COVID issues on the back end, but Mason Rudolph threw a couple of one-on-one balls to Claypool, Deontay Johnson. And, you know, they, they actually, they won some 50-50 balls. So, you know, I think the Browns' health and the COVID issues, which is very unfortunate, obviously, but based on the year we're having, is very important with this game. I think if Denzel Ward plays now and he, and he eliminates some big plays down the field, like you were mentioning, Pete, that the Steelers are struggling to do, but they're tr- trying to find that identity still. Um, I think the Browns got a good shot, but they've had a, a rough, a rough two weeks. So, you know, granted all everything that's going on, but you know they could they couldn't get past the Jets, and then they just skated by Pittsburgh and Mason Rudolph. But we'll see. Hopefully, they get back healthy because, like Rock said, you don't want to see anybody depleted going to playoff games. But this is definitely going to be an interesting one. Their matchup of the year. So let's see. Most important one. Yeah, I can see this being a like a weird, real weird like 17-14 type game where it's low scoring and there's not explosiveness on either side of the ball. But we'll see. It's it's not just a young quarterback who's never been in the playoffs against a two-time Super Bowl or yeah, two-time Super Bowl champ. It's also a rookie head coach versus Mike Tomlin. So that's going to be an interesting part of this chess match. Will the Browns be as prepared as the Steelers? I, I think Stefanski's shown every piece of evidence to believe that the Browns will be prepared. But when it comes to playoffs, it's a different game. So that that's the thing to watch for there. Yeah, we'll be back with our picks. I think that's it, though. Any, anyone have any last words? We won't do a full go-round of last words here uh, because it's already late now. But anything? anyone have anything to add before we say goodbye? Let's go real quick, all, all four of us, who's in the Super Bowl at the playoffs starting. I'll go first. The Pack versus the Buffalo Bills. Ooh, baby. Mule's piss, was that yours? <laughs> yeah, that was mine. I thought I was going to be the only guy that said Buffalo. Uh, I think I'll definitely go Pack NFC. And uh, I've been saying all along it's going to be the Bills and the Chiefs and the AFC chips. So I'll, I'll, I'll ride with my man Rocco Dell there. I'll go, I'll go pack Buffalo, Josh Allen, hoisting the Lombardi. Let's go. Yeah, I, I think we're going to go straight across the board with the Packers, you know, with the NFC going through Lambeau. I think it's going to take an incredible performance to beat them at home. I'll go in Packers. And as much as I want to go Bills as well and go three across the board with you guys, and as much as I think Buffalo can easily beat Kansas City, I still think uh, this is the Chiefs, uh, the Chiefs' year again to get back to the to the uh, Super Bowl. I Browns. think we get the. I think we get Browns. the. St- yeah, Browns. <laughs> Please, I'll be fucking streaking naked through the streets of, of Hoboken. This would be. Uh, I think we get our State Farm Super Bowl. I think we get Rogers, Mahomes, Chiefs, Packers. I think it would be a Super Bowl uh, to remember for a long time. Hopefully. Oh man, that'll be fantastic. Uh, also, another one that would be fantastic is if Brady gets there if the if the Bucks get there I don't know if I want to see it I don't know if I don't want to see it I just know that if it happens I'm here for it and uh you can't deny greatness so if the Bucks do make it back and make that splash man that'll be an exciting one no matter who they go against uh almost especially if they go against the Chiefs right that, that would just be fantastic but my pick is a pick that I made uh on DraftKings I have the receipt still Chiefs to beat the Saints in the Super Bowl. And here's the here's the crazy prediction. 
the Saints go into Lambeau and go Taysom Hill heavy in the snow, crap weather, and they uh, run the ball down the throat of the Packers and beat them in Lambeau, taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. It's not even something I want to see, but that's my bold prediction. I go Chiefs-Saints in the Super Bowl. But that that's it. There we go. Subway Sports Talk, baby. I'm Pete Kennedy, Rocco Del Puri, Pat Boyle, Chris Mule. This has been a fantastic season. Week 17 in the rearview mirror. The playoffs approaching quickly. They're here, baby. It's time. But this is Subway Sports Talk. We'll see you later.